Today's thoughts are a continuation of an exploration around eyes, focusing specifically on dating and romance. This podcast is a rough around the edges attempt at exploring my mind in hopes that it might inspire you to explore yours. My name is Fontaine, and this is Fox in Thought. A new show came out on Netflix recently called Love is Blind. I've only watched an episode or two, but I love the concept. People go on dates by talking through a wall. So they can spend hours together over several weeks, but never know how the person looks until they've decided to commit to them. Like, really? That's kind of how I want to date people talk to them, get to know them, learn what they value, knowing nothing about what they look like, and them knowing nothing about what I look like. And then once that emotional connection is made, see what they look like. A friend tossed around the idea of creating a dating app based exclusively on voice. And I would love this. If the people who were interested in me were interested in my ideas, how my mind works, not how my body looks. Online dating seems to have skyrocketed in popularity over the last, like, five years. The internet facilitates a way of controlling the story that we're telling about ourselves. One thing I dislike about online dating is that it puts so much emphasis on what people look like. And it makes sense, that's usually the first variable we respond to, that we're attracted to or aren't. But everyone knows that long-term, Looks are nearly meaningless. It's really how a person acts that matters. I especially dislike that some people feel that they can now only meet people online. They seem to have lost the confidence of approaching a stranger in real life. Like, last year I was in Tokyo for work. And that time I stayed in the Park Hyatt the place where Scarlett Johansson and Tom Hanks meet in the film Lost in Translation. Most of the movie takes place in the hotel bar. And for, I guess, several nights, I would dress up, like put on a nice dress, makeup, heels, and I'd go sit at that hotel bar in the Park Hyatt. I'd order a cocktail and I'd listen to the live jazz band. I purposely wouldn't bring my phone since I didn't want to be distracted. Now, I walked in and I found myself a spot with a good view of the jazz band, a view overlooking Tokyo, and I settled in for a drink. Five or ten years ago, if I was at a bar by myself, I really wouldn't have to wait longer than ten minutes before a guy came up to me and started chatting. Now, it feels like that would be seen as entirely inappropriate or creepy. I looked around the room and there were probably maybe eight people alone in the bar. I hypothesized that many of them sought company, but potentially felt awkward. So they all were spending their time glued to their phone. So I sat there for about half an hour, visibly trying to make my body language look open so that somebody would know that they could sit next to me if they wanted to. No one so much as looked up from their phone. And it's not like I was at a library or I was at McDonald's. I was at one of the nicest jazz clubs in Tokyo. 
Finally, I walked up to a guy who was about my age, and I could see that he was visibly scrolling through Instagram. I asked if I could join him, sit with him at his table. He was thrilled to have the company, and he honestly didn't stop speaking for the next three hours. He was obviously desperate for connection, but he was too scared to look up from his phone until I drew him out of his Instagram trance. I enjoyed chatting with him for that evening. He did have a lovely British accent, and then I never saw him again. But it was lovely to have a shared drink together that night while listening to the band. I really like male voices. One of my favorite things is when a guy calls me. Not when he texts me or video calls me. When his voice reaches out to engage with mine. I don't have to stress how I look. I can lounge on my bed or roll around on the floor like a teenage girl. I used to do this for hours in high school, easily spending two hours on the house phone in a given night. My sister would sometimes listen in to annoy me or my dad would get frustrated if he needed to use the line. But we don't really do that anymore. I haven't been called to simply chat in years. Now, after I had my eye incident and I went for my follow-up eye appointment, the doctor asked me, how's the eye looking? And I couldn't help but think, is he asking from his perspective or mine? Was he asking how is the eye seeing? Is it functioning the way it's supposed to? Is my sight blurry? Or was he asking, how does the eyeball look underneath the bandage? Is it watery, red, swollen? Because eyes are for seeing, but they're also there to be seen. Eye contact is how we tell someone else that we're interested in them, or even that we're listening to them. Sexual tension is often born out of eye contact. Eyes are the windows to our souls, an entry which makes us appear vulnerable. My ex's watery blue eyes were angelic connection points, and I could see what he was thinking based on how he looked at me. Have you ever spent a full minute looking into somebody's eyes without speaking a word? I think it might be more intimate than sex, and doing it with someone who isn't even a partner is even more vulnerable. So I've been noodling a bit on a concept that I will call masculine sight versus feminine sight. And these are terms that I've completely made up. I haven't fleshed them out much, but I just want to put them out there. And I'll describe masculine sight as what I see. It's my perspective in the world. I've mentioned that men are very often visual creatures. And the query that comes with this is often, you know, What's in it for me? What do I see? Feminine sight, on the other hand, is how do other people see me? As, we, as we've discussed, women spend a lot of energy considering and accounting for how other people see us, whether makeup, clothing, plastic surgery, or Instagram. One of the biggest things I notice is often like, how often do a person's, like, Instagram posts contain pictures of themselves, of their own body? 
This is what I would call feminine sight. You can see it in all the Kardashians or any model, really. Most of their content is pictures taken of them. Someone else is holding the camera, and the question they're asking themselves is, how do other people see me? It's not, how do I see the world? That masculine sight is what a photographer would see. They're not in front of the camera, they're behind it. Of course, these are not limited to male and female, but I'm just using that descriptor of masculine and feminine since it's generally a pattern that I perceive. You know, there's power in how we cast our eyes. Looking at someone is a way of maintaining power over them. If a man is staring at me as I make my way across the room, he holds a sort of power over me. But then again, being looked at is also a form of power. When the bride walks down the aisle, all eyes are on her. And in that moment, she holds the power. Even when we follow someone on Instagram, we are watching them. It's a way of giving them power. I remember Sam Harris telling a story in his podcast about when he was starting to experiment with eye contact. Exploring spirituality, he was becoming unfazed by the traditional discomfort that accompanies normal social eye contact. Sam, I think, was at some point, he was at some gathering and he looked up across the room, meeting eyes with another person, presumably spiritual, whose eyes were fixed on him. And so for an extended period of time, I'm unsure how long, this guy and Sam stared at each other. He described it as a war of the warlocks, which I totally laughed out loud when I heard that story. Oh, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall observing that. How do eyes influence power? And what have you noticed about how sight influences romance? Romance.